Welcome to Virtual School Assembly. I'm your host, Tyler Christensen. I'm a productivity speaker, author, and classroom teacher. Here at Virtual School Assembly, I interview Hollywood celebrities, professional athletes, Olympians, speakers, and educators who share messages of inspiration, education, and hope to better prepare you for an ever-changing and uncertain world. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to Virtual School Assembly. Today, our guest is Akeem Haynes. Akeem has overcome tragic events as a youth, overcome stages of homelessness, and became the first in his immediate family to graduate from university. He went on to represent Canada in track and field, winning a bronze medal in 2016 and breaking a Canadian record in the process. In addition to being a two-time Olympian, Akeem's also the author of two books, and he's a keynote speaker. We're so excited to have you on the show today, Akeem. Let me hand you the virtual microphone so that you can share your message with us. It's a pleasure to be on here. I'm very excited. You know, when you reached out, um, you know, I I knew this was something that I wanted to do. Um, I want to share just one quick tip today that has helped me throughout stages of my life, right? You mentioned in the introduction, the point where I was homeless. I want to briefly walk you through what I learned during my stages of homelessness, right? So I was about 13 years old, regular day. I was coming home from school, middle of winter time. Coming home from school, I open the door and I see three garbage bags on the floor. I'm like, man, this, what's, what's going on here, right? I see my mom coming down and she says, Akeem, go upstairs and get the rest of your stuff. I said, mom, we, what are you talking about? Go upstairs and get the rest of our stuff. I said, wait, you mean to tell me these are my bags right here? So I'm looking inside the bags and I see, wait a minute, that's my hat. That's my shirt. Like, that's my, that's my sweater. And I look at my mom. I said, mom, what, what happened? And she says, Akeem, go upstairs and get your stuff. And I said, Mom, what are you talking about? It's minus 21 outside. Where are we going to go? She says, son, I don't need you to give me any back talk. Just go upstairs and get your stuff. So at 13 years old, I had my jacket on. I had one garbage bag in the other hand, one garbage bag in the other hand. And my mom and I were walking to the bus stop homeless. Minus 21. We had no place to go. We didn't know what was going to happen next, where our food was going to come from. You know, we moved to Canada from Jamaica for a better life when I was eight years old. Years later down the road, 13, you moved to a place for a better life, but yet you're homeless. It's like you're taking a step backwards. I'll never forget. I remember going to school early in the morning and brushing my teeth in the bathroom and then going to class all day, go to practice as if nothing happened. And I would go right back to the bus stop and meet my mom. But one of the things that I realized that has helped me and, and, and built an anchor for me and everything in my life, at that time, I learned the power of gratitude. Not only was my circumstances tough, but I didn't have to go through it alone because I had my mom with me. So during that time, I thought of every single thing in that moment that I could be grateful for. I was grateful that I had a pair of shoes. I was grateful for the laces. I was grateful that I had a jacket. I was grateful that I was going through the situation with someone that I know that I can depend on, even if we didn't know what it was going to look like moving forward. Everything that we do in life, even in our darkest moments, COVID is happening right now and it has put the world in a shock. But if you wake up every single day and God blesses you with another day, wow, that is beautiful because life is a gift. If we focus more on the things that we have in our lives, I guarantee you, you will find something to be joyful about, something to, something to celebrate, something to cherish. 
Sometimes we get so caught up on the things that we don't have that we neglect all the great possessions that we do have inside of us. Life is more about appreciating what you have and cultivating what's in front of you and never taking anything for granted. That was a lesson I learned at 13 and that lesson has helped me to uh, <laughs> every aspect of my life I take it. I have a bad race. Well, I can have another race down the road, but I got to be grateful for the fact that I came out of this race healthy. In times of darkness, in times of uncertainty, I want to encourage you to find something to look for. There is some good in every single situation. You just got to often look deep enough to extract it. But there's always something good if you can change your perspective. Yeah, I, that's a great message, Akeem. And I, I think it's something that is universally relatable. I think kids, whether they're, you know, most won't experience homelessness, but they're going to experience ups and downs in their lives. And I think it's easy to get caught up in feeling sorry for ourselves. I mean, we can look at the pandemic right now and say, well, you know, things are shutting down. I can't compete in the sports I want to right now, or I can't do this or that. But there are opportunities to grow and, and to be grateful for what we do have. And I think you know, you're fortunate to have learned that as a 13-year-old. When I was 13, certainly not to the extent you had, but my father was out of work and, and we, had, we did food stamps. And, and I, it was a humbling thing at the time, you know, to have people during Christmas every day drop something off on our porch because they wanted to help out. Yeah. But, you know, the gratitude really now as an adult, I can look back and, and be so appreciative for that time in my life that we grew closer as a family, that the community rallied around us. And, and I'm sure that that has served you well um, throughout your life. Now, I, I want to switch over into track for a minute because gratitude <laughs> has nothing directly to do with track. But um, you have had, you've accomplished some amazing things as far as going to the Olympics a couple times. And, you know, being part of breaking the Canadian record as part of a relay team. But one of the things I think is interesting about your story is, you know, running the 100 meters and you barely, barely, barely didn't advance uh, in, yeah. in the 100 meters. What was it like to, one, first make it to the Olympics in the first place, but then to just barely miss out? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, so I've been very fortunate to have been to two games. In 2012, I was 19, just turning 20. Um, I didn't end up running that one. I was an alternate, but it was an experience that you needed. I'm a firm believer that if you get another opportunity in kind of the same similar thing, then you are not just there to be there. You're there to accomplish a mission. Hmm. So four years later, I was older. Um, I was faster. I, I knew what to expect. And when you know what to expect, you kind of move and groove a little differently. Sure. Um, you know, I ran the hundred and I, it was a tough, it was a tough two weeks. You know, I never really talk about it, but you know, um, man, I was, I was going through a lot of things as far as I had one of my closest friends was dying of cancer. So I had that inside my head mm -hmm. the night before that I was running the hundred meters. Um, my agent called me and he says, man, Puma has an offer for you on the table. I said, okay, cool. I said, that's, that's beautiful. I said, I will wear their shoes after the Olympics. He says, I'm sorry, man, but that's, that's just not how it works. Now in track and field, it takes a couple of races, a couple of weeks to break in your spikes. Well, I didn't have a couple of weeks. I had 16 hours. <laughs> so when I put on my spikes, literally for the first time, um, it was when I was at 
the call room and going into the race. You know, I remember taking off my shoes before going in and I, I had this big gash in the side of my foot. So I, you know, I kind of just sucked it up and said, you know, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. And so, you know, the, the, the race didn't turn out how I wanted it to, but I knew that I had another chance. And as an athlete, the one thing that they must have is short-term memory, the ability to bounce back from a loss and move forward, not forgetting it, but if you have another opportunity, which most people don't in the sport, especially at the Olympic Games, then I just wanted to make sure that I did everything mentally to get prepared for that. So I, I had no idea that the, the shoe part of your story. Um, so that didn't go the way as planned. Did you still use their shoes then for the relay later on as you got used yeah. to it or? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I was, I was now uh, contractually obligated, so, uh -huh. but I had, I, I had a couple of days in between to kind of break in um, and mold it to my foot. You know, right. so it, it, it got a little better and I was able to handle it more and, you know, we we're able to get a, get the job done. Uh, wow. That's amazing. I, I, so I, I'm a runner, I, but I'm a distance runner. So I know the value of shoes. You know, <laughs> a, a lot of people out there are like, big deal. It's a new pair of shoes, but I, I can only run in one pair of shoes. Like other shoes don't work for me. I'll blister, I'll, you know, and so at the elite level, I can only imagine like, the difference of a hundredth of a second is huge in, you know, in the hundred meters. And so shoes could make a big difference there. Um, Absolutely. Talk, talk a little bit about being part of, uh, of the team, of the relay team. This is a unique part of, of an Olympic experience where it wasn't just about representing your country and just running for you, but you are actually part of a team. What was that like for you? Yeah. You know, we were going in uh, that meet, you know, as a high potential to, to medal, mm -hmm. but it's one thing to be a potential medalist. It's another thing to go outside and do it. You know, people always ask me, you know, Akeem, were you nervous during the Olympic games? And the fact is, yes, you, sh you, you should be nervous. Nerves are good because nerves mean you care. Right. If you weren't nervous, that'd probably be a problem. But I knew those guys, we've been running same, same, same lineup for years now. So we just had to trust each other. And so for me, I knew once I got the stick to my guys that they were going to do their part, you know, in the relay, in the team aspect of things, you got to trust that everybody is going to do their part. Every job is important, you know, as a, as a, as a collective team, I even look at me individually, you know, I have a team around me. I have my coach, I have my, my massage therapist, I have my physiotherapist, I have um, <laughs> my support system. It's a team, right? But when you get to the Olympic games and you're doing, the relays, it's about trusting and having faith that the rest of your teammates are going to pick up the slack if need be, but you're all in this together. And I think that's one of the most important things, but we knew that and we trusted everybody. We just had to go out and make sure we didn't drop the stick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I, and I'm interested in team because obviously in, in real life, most of what we do, whether it's our profession or in our home life or with extracurriculars, we're doing it with other people. And that's been a challenge, of course, during the pandemic with so many things shut down is not having the same relationships. But working as a part of a team is, is so important. And, and I know even in other areas of your life, and I, I was going to talk about this later, but let's talk about it now. You've written a couple books, and I, I'm guessing that you had a team that helped you with that. Can you talk about the process of 
having an idea, wanting to write a book, and then what it took to actually get that first one published? Yeah, so I've I've, I've written two um, since since COVID hit. Uh, two two more finished, and the third one's in the editing stages. Wow. But you know, honestly, you know how the book even started for me. It was two reasons. The first one was, I remember going to class one day, and I was reading kind of like a science textbook. And I'm just like, man, this, for me, I just wasn't interested in it. But I was just like, man, if this person can write a book, I said, what if I could do that? And then as I started to write the book, I, I got hurt that season. So I would just kind of write down thoughts and, and things that was on my mind. And I said, man, books can last a lifetime. Imagine what my great grandchildren will be able to learn and be able to see. So my mind wired and started to change. I wasn't thinking about myself. I was thinking about if I can do this, then my brother and my sister and my kids, they will say, man, I, I, if Akeem wrote a book, I can definitely write a book, right? So I, didn't, I wasn't just thinking about me. I was thinking about, man, I got to be able to create these things as best as I can so everybody following behind me can see that it is possible. My first book, I didn't know what in the world I was going to do. I didn't know anybody that wrote a book before, but I kind of just figured it out along the way and it got a little easier, got a little easier. And the second one, um, I knew what to do. I had the blueprint. Um, and one of the biggest things when it comes to writing a book is you want to make sure that your editor is on the same page as you because, you know, sometimes they have a way of changing it to their voice instead of yours. Uh, so, um, for me, I kind of had to figure things out on my own. So now I can give back to other authors who are trying to figure it out. People ask me all the time, Akeem, how do you start the process of writing a book? But I had to go through it alone so I could be a light for others coming up. Yeah, that's really cool. I I love um, your story, Akeem, because you're already doing in your life things that people aspire to, you know, before they die. And you're still, you're just a young kid. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're young. And, and so to see that you've, you know, competed at the highest level in track, that you've been able to write books, you're a very successful public speaker, you're doing those things. And, and the thing that comes to my mind, and we talked about this a little bit before the call, was legacy. If, if you've been blessed, if you've been able to accomplish things, what are you going to do then to give back so that, you're remembered in the right way, but it's more than being remembered. It's, it's making the world better for the people who come after you. And it seems like that's been a priority of yours from the very beginning. I'm curious why that is. I mean, most people wait till they retire to do these kinds of things. What inspired you to think about your legacy at such a young age? I've always been a person who thought differently. You know, at eight, at eight years old, I remember thinking about, man, what am I on this earth to do? I remember at 13, that same time I was homeless, I thought to myself, I said, man, something inside of me, I didn't know what it was at the time. I said, something inside of me said, Akeem, your purpose is going to be much bigger and greater than sport. I was like, what is this about? So for me, I always kind of thought about that. Um, I always thought about uh, creating something uh, bigger than myself that the spirit of me would still be around even when I'm not. When people think of Akeem, I want them to think perseverance. I want them to think resiliency. I want them to give them a feeling that say, man, Akeem was able to overcome all these situations. There's no reason why I can't overcome what I'm going through, right? So I'm, I'm, I, I kind of developed 
the essence. I want an essence about me. There's an essence about you. There's an essence about all of us. But we all know someone who we see them coming and we're just like, oh man, not this person again. But on the other hand, we know somebody coming who says, wow, I'm so happy to see you. I really enjoy talking to you. In our lives, how can we be more like that person? How can we be the person that says, because you came into my life, I feel better. I just, I just feel more excited. Because you came into my life, you showed me something different. The goal is never to have any perfect days, but it's to have more good days than bad days. Meaning we got to do more good things in the world than dwelling on the mistakes. That's, that's, that's kind of how I operate. You know, nobody's perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but we got to correct them and help others don't make the same mistake that we did. Yeah. So I want you to think about what kind of advice we can give to kids who want to be that kind of guy. So when you see them coming, you want to be around them. You want to associate with them. We, we talked earlier about how too, too often there are professional athletes and celebrities that have very unfulfilled lives and struggle later on in their life because they reach some pinnacle, whether it be fame or celebrity or some accomplishment. And then there's nothing after that. And so they struggle and, and they don't have that same sort of sense of fulfillment. What is it that we can tell kids that they should be working on now so that they have that fulfillment, that happiness in their life and can be that person that we look forward to seeing in the hallway? You know, I would say everybody has a purpose on this world, right? But you can't talk about your purpose if you don't know what your gift is. For me, um, I was very talented at sport. Um, I cultivated that the best that I could be. But my gift that God gave me, I've always been good with words. I've always been able to articulate myself. I've always been able to tell a story. So that is my gift. I had to cultivate my gift to the highest potential that I can be. And I'm always growing. I still got way more to go. But my gift is speaking. Your gift will make room for you. What is your gift? Some people may ask. Well, your gift is that one thing that you do extremely well without even thinking about it. Some people wake up and they can sing like nobody's business. Some people wake up and they can cook like nobody's business. Like sometimes we don't think our gift is valuable because it's not packaged like everybody else. When we operate inside of our gift, that is where you will find what your purpose could be. We're all gifted at something. So for me, I always, even when I didn't know it, I operated in my gift. So when I would be in high school and playing sports and all these different things, I would always be an encourager. I would always say, hey, you know, we didn't get this one done, but tomorrow's a new day. Let's go ahead and make it happen. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was my gift at that time, but I knew that there was something inside bigger than sport, bigger than me. And so for me, I would say, take time figuring out what your gift is. And, and when you take time to really sit and think what your gift is, then think about how you can allow your gift to help you serve the world. We're all, we're all, we're all in the, uh, uh, in the people's business, right? right? We're all servicing something. You just got to find out what's the best way that you can serve that's true to yourself. Yeah, I, I agree with you that it's so important to find out what that gift is so that you can share it with others. However, I think that some kids really struggle because it's not obvious to them what their Absolutely. gift might be. They might be really caring. They might be good at sharing with other people. Or like you mentioned, they might be encouraging. But Absolutely. sometimes it's hard to recognize those as gifts. Uh, any thoughts on how kids can identify those things in their own lives? I would say, you know, when, when, when you're thinking about what your gift could be, um, what comes easy to you? You know, like, like, like put it all out there. What, 
what comes easy to you? And sometimes what we think comes easy to us, we kind of overlook it. But we can't necessarily think that there isn't something there. There is, <laughs> like you look at a math problem and I, some people are very good at math and they solve math very quickly. And they may say, man, that's not hard. It wasn't hard for you, but it's hard for somebody else. So when you're thinking about that, write everything down that, that, that comes easily to you. Don't overshadow it. Don't think it's too small, right? We can't despise small beginnings of what something may look like. A tree first is a seed before it grows into what it is. So I would just say, um, write all the things out that you think that you're good at that comes effortlessly to you. And then just say, wow, you know, what can I do here? How can I use this to serve the world? It may be you just writing a letter and sending it to people you care about, your friends. It could be just you sending a text, but who knows what that could grow into. But we can't despise small beginnings. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like water, right? When the shores are coming and you see the big ocean and the big waves and they go to the shore, but even small waves still make it to the shore the same way. You know, yeah. so so that's that's what I would say in regards to that. Yeah, that's really great advice. Well, Akeem, it's been really great having you on the show today. Um, inspirational sh- story for sure. But I really think, as you noted, your gift is is in speaking. You, you're just so easy to relate to. I, uh, having now had this interview, like I would never think that you are a celebrity, that you are a track star, that you're an author, <laughs> because you speak like a normal person. You're so relatable. And I, I think there's I a good that. lesson in that for the kids out there be your authentic self you know and and share that gift with others that's fantastic um if kids want to learn more about you or connect with you in in social media or something like that where's the best place to find you online um instagram or twitter uh at underdog akh and um yeah you can find me there um if you're listening to this watching this definitely give me a shout let me know your thoughts and and let's connect you know, I think I think more times than ever right now, we need to know that we're not alone in this battle and support goes a long way. Yeah, cool. Appreciate your time today, Akeem. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you, Thank you so much for joining us today on Virtual School Assembly. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to Virtual Assemblies. And leave us a rating and review so we know what you learned and took away from this virtual assembly. Videos and show notes are found at virtualschoolassembly.com. And if you're a school leader and you're looking for a speaker for virtual or traditional in-school assemblies, or if you're looking for some teacher training, I'd love to connect with you to see how I can help. You can check out my website at tylerchristensen.com. Thanks. You are super duper. Let's go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye.